City Church. It is so good to be with you. Um, if we haven't met, again, my name is Brooke Summers, and I want to tell you just a little bit about myself. One, I have a husband, and we've been together for 15 years, and his name is Casey, and we've been pastoral residents here at Mill City for about a year now. And we... That's right. And we also have a 19-pound ball of fluff and love named Sherlock the dog. And we live in North East Minneapolis. We don't have kids, but our dog may as well be our child, sadly. So true. So true. So um, after 20 years of leading and serving in a college-focused church at the University of Illinois, and if you're wondering where that is, Think of Chicago and go two and a half hours south. Um, we were there for 20 years living and serving. We felt called to move to Minneapolis, Minnesota. And we moved here in February 2019. I know a lot has happened since February 2019, but let's back up a little bit to that time. And we were welcomed to a month of record snowfall here in Minnesota. Casey was on a six-month sabbatical from ministry, and... We would wake up in the morning, open the curtains, and his heart would sink because he'd be like, I've got to get out there and shovel again. And for me, since I wasn't doing the shoveling, I would wake up in the morning, open my curtains, <laughs> and my heart would skip a beat. I was living in a magical snow globe. And it looked like Narnia to me, the Narnia of my childhood, with the snow falling and it was peacefully quiet while my husband labored away shoveling all that snow. Um, so today, uh, so while moving, we've definitely had some highs and some lows. It's a lot to leave a place you've been for 20 years and go someplace else. But there have been blessings and challenges, and we have been thankful to have landed here at Mill City, and we see God's hand in all of it. So why am I here today? Today, I'm continuing the series, How Do We Live? Last week, Pastor Steph talked about 1 Thessalonians, and during her sermon, she taught that we, just like the church in Thessalonica, are living in the reality of the already and not yet kingdom of God. They were living in light of the resurrection of King Jesus, and while we wait for his return, we experience both joy and suffering. And that faithfully following Jesus means that we hopefully don't fall into the ditch of hopelessness and fear or pursuing temporary happiness, but rather we stay in the tension of living on this side of Jesus' return. The tension of living joyfully as people in the midst of suffering. So this week, I'm continuing to 2 Thessalonians, a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church he loved so dearly. And he once again needed to take those same concepts he talked about in his first letter and remind this beloved church of who Jesus is and what Jesus was doing in the world around them. <clears throat> so last week, we talked about how joy and suffering are woven together like a rope. And for some of us, it can be super hard to live in that reality. We may struggle with experiencing joy in the midst of hardship. And if we're honest, we want to pull those things apart and leave suffering over there and just experience joy. And sometimes that fear, it makes us want to just tear that apart and stay in a place of hopelessness and fear and a desire to escape. So I don't know about you, or how the past six months have affected you. 
but I know that I have struggled. I have cried big tears. I have wondered, where is Jesus in all of that's happening with COVID and not to mention everything else that's happening in 2020 here in our cities, in our suburbs, in our country and in the world around us. My experience with joy, if I'm honest, has been fleeting. I felt suffering, I felt frustration, and I've felt like the suffering and frustration that I've experienced <laughs> this past year has felt like a house guest who doesn't know how to do the Minnesota goodbye right and just keeps hanging out for forever. So for me, what does that look like personally? What do some of my hardship and suffering look like? It looks like being home alone most of the day to do my work remotely while my husband leaves to go out to work. There's also the sadness of being so far away from friends and from family where I can't, because of social distancing, I can connect online, but I haven't been able to touch and lay hands and hug people I love and who love me back in a long, long time. Also, I get so frustrated with the way that COVID has just changed everything. And I can find myself hoping that things would just get back to normal, whatever normal is. I wish things would just get better already, but I know that that isn't possible right now. And it's really hard to live in that reality joyfully. And if, I find, if I'm honest, I found myself focusing on everything I can't change. I find myself projecting out three months, six months, to a year down the road. And when I do that, that's when the tears come. That's when the overwhelming anxiety comes. And that's when I have to reach out to a good friend, meet with my counselor regularly, meet with my spiritual director, or take that step of vulnerability when I'm an absolute wreck and ask somebody who loves me just to listen while I get it all out. So if I'm honest, that ditch of hopelessness and anxiety has sadly been a companion during these past six months. So when I think about the church in Thessalonica and Paul's second letter to them about their persecution, about their suffering, I want to know, does Paul have anything to say that can help us right now where we are? And I have good news, friends. He does. But before I get to the good news in 2 Thessalonians, I'm going to talk about some bad news. In particular, doom scrolling. Have you guys heard of doom scrolling? This term came up about a month ago for me when I was scrolling the internet. And I feel like if there was an achievement to be unlocked in doom scrolling, I would have a badge of some, point, uh, some sort. Maybe I'd be the team captain of doom scrolling. So if you're wondering, what is doom scrolling? Well, it's that thing you do when a simple I wonder what's happening with XYZ issue in 2020 turns from a well-intentioned one-minute pre-bed scroll sesh on our phones into an hours-long deep dive into every crevice of the internet hoping somewhere you will find some information that will protect you and make the anxiety go away that has shaped 2020. It's kind of the way that when I was a kid, I'd take my strawberry shortcake comforter and put it over my head in my bunk bed, and I hoped it would keep me safe from whatever noise was in that closet, just as long as I kept it over my head and I held my breath. Or am I just describing myself? I mean, none of you guys surely have ever doom scrolled or put your blanket over your head. 
trying to protect yourself. Well, here's the thing, friends. Um, our brains, they are wired to look for threats and for ways to protect us. They're wired to do that. And that's not a bad thing. I'm glad my brain wants to protect me. But if we aren't careful, we can drive into the ditch of doom scrolling. And that repeated doom scrolling can shape our mental health, produce more anxiety in our lives, and it shapes how we live. When we are in seasons, like now, seasons of hardship and difficulty, we can struggle to remember what is true and we can be more susceptible for, to misinformation in that state. And this happened to the church in Thessalonica. In chapter one of that book, Paul starts by thanking them, by encouraging them, by saying that he's so proud of them, how their faith continues to flourish in the middle of hardship. And I could just imagine the pastors here at Mill City writing a similar, similar letter to all of you here, all of us at Mill City. And in chapters two and three, Paul addresses two ditches that the Thessalonican church was susceptible to. Ditch one in chapter two. Some people had heard from unreliable sources that Jesus had already returned. And this was causing serious confusion and worry and concern. I mean, that makes sense, right? They're in the middle of hardship and suffering and they're waiting for Jesus to return. So if Jesus returned and they are still in the middle of their hardship and suffering and they're not seeing Jesus, that would be deeply worrisome. Their suffering made them susceptible to misinformation. Ditch two, the other ditch was being irresponsible and refusing to work and not following the example of Jesus or Paul of working hard to provide for yourself and to provide for those around you. Some were taking the easy road that seemed best for them instead of living like Jesus, a life of self-giving love and service. So when we think of these two ditches, can you place yourself in either of those? Do either of those seem tempting to you? Where in your life are you confused about where God is at or if he's going to show up or if his word can be trusted? Or are you tempted to take the easy road, a more comfortable path, a way to escape, just live your life for yourself right now and focus on me time? So how do we stay out of these two ditches? Well, to do that, let's turn to 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 through 17. Um, you can pull that up on your phone, on your Bible, and, but it'll also be here on the screen. So 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 through 17. And in that, Paul says, As for us, we can't help but thank God for you, dear brothers and sisters loved by the Lord. We are thankful that God chose you to be among the first to experience salvation, a salvation that came through the spirit who makes you holy and through your belief in the truth. He has called you to salvation when we told you the good news. Now you can share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. With all these things in mind, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm and keep a strong grip on the teaching we passed on to you both in person and by letter. And now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself, our God and Father, who loves us and by his grace gave eternal comfort and wonderful hope, comfort you and strengthen you in every good thing you say and do. In my opinion, I think the key to this phrase is a wonderful hope. If we want to stay out of the ditches of fear and confusion, 
or being self-centered and irresponsible, the way to do that is to focus on hope. Hope that God is with us in our confusion, whose word can be trusted, and a hope that lifts our eyes off of our personal happiness and circumstances and ease onto the horizon of Christ's return. So what I want to suggest is that we learn how to hope scroll in our lives. And I think that scrolling for hope will shape how we live. Much like how doom scrolling subversively shapes our lives, I believe that hope scrolling is even more powerful and can shape our lives. So what could it mean to scroll for hope in our lives? So when I was thinking about that, what came to mind immediately for me was as a fourth grader back in 1985, and not like the cool Stranger Things 1985, I'm talking about the super bad hair, the super bad outfits, the unfortunate music choices, like all that truly is the gaudiness of the 80s. Um, so when I was a fourth grader back in 1985, I read The Lion, The Witch, and The Wardrobe for the first time. And that winter break... I spread out my strawberry shortcake comforter, put all my stuffed animals around me, and I got lost in its pages. Later in the break, I watched the 1979 cartoon version before the really cool CGI stuff came out, right? Of the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. And, you know, viewers, you are fortunate enough that if you want to go to YouTube, you could watch in all of its 2D 1979 glory if you want to. So in that video, though, as a child, something stood out to me that today still impacts me. And it's when Aslan, who is the lion, who represents Jesus, after he dies and he raises back to life, there's a thunderous clap and a mighty roar. And King Aslan bounds over the land. And with each mighty paw print, new life springs forth. Paw print down flowers. Paw print down new life. Paw print down hope. Paw print down joy. And I think this practice of hope scrolling can be so meaningful that I want to invite us to take a moment right now to scroll and find those paw prints of new life and hope that King Jesus is doing around us. So to do that today, I would suggest to sit up a little bit, find a comfortable position, maybe put your hands out forward and we're going to take a few minutes here so if you're like wait is this something where we're doing something yes this is the time where we're doing something <laughs> so we're doing something with our bodies during worship so um so if you're able find a comfortable position and this could be sitting up and this could be also if you want to you could practice standing firm you could practice like thessalonians paul encourages the thessalonians to do to stand firm so you can stand up and i encourage you to take a few deep breaths and to close your eyes. And before we get started, I do want to acknowledge that some of you guys might not be in a space, AKA a place with little kiddos, <laughs> where having this time of reflection is gonna be possible. So I still think you guys can hope, scroll for hope and you can do it as a family. So with these different prompts I'm gonna give you, just verbally talk to each other about ways you're seeing hope. So for those of you in the ways that you can participate, let's go ahead and do this. And I'm gonna have Ashish play a little bit behind, and I'm going to give some stretches of silence in between the prompts for you to scroll for hope in your life. 
So let's take a couple deep breaths. And first, I want you to look in your mind on the horizon. And first, I want to ask, where do you see Paw Prince of Hope? In your family and friendships. The space, is close, the space is closest to you. Where do you see Paw Prince of Hope? In your family and friendships. expand our gaze a little bit. Where are you seeing the paw prints of hope, the scrolling of hope in your neighborhood or your workspaces? expanding that gaze a little further as you scroll a little further. How about Mill City Church and the global body of Christ? Mill City Church and the global body of Christ. Where are you seeing hope spring forth? And just a little further, here in the Twin Cities, the suburbs, our state, this country, the world, all around us, where are you seeing hope? And lastly, this one's a little more personal. Where's one place that you need to see the wonderful hope of the good news of Jesus in your life? Where's that one space that feels a little tender or risky to ask Jesus to put his paw print in to bring new life and hope there? close our time of scrolling for hope, I will pray Paul's last words to the Thessalonians in chapter 316. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at all times in every situation. The Lord be with you all. You can open your eyes. Friends, I want to encourage you to take some time throughout the day to scroll for hope in your life. Maybe instead of the phone being the first thing you pick up when you scroll, either in the morning or during breaks or when we're bored or when we're about to go to bed, not that any of those things are bad, but I wonder how our lives could be different and how they could be shaped to be more like Jesus when we scroll for hope in our life, the places we live, our neighborhoods, our workplaces. And we see all the ways that King Jesus is bounding and bringing new life 
all around us. And he who will one day come back and he'll make all things new. Amen. It's good to be with you guys this morning.